friends, it's Morgan Snyder, and it's awesome to be back in the space for another Become Good Soil podcast. It's such a privilege that you would invest your time to slow down, to dig deep, to join with a tribe of like-hearted apprentices around the globe who are saying, I want more. At one point, the disciples turned to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray. In other words, they said, I want what you have. There is some quality, some eternal quality that you embody that's centered around your relationship, Jesus, with your Father. And I want some of that. You've modeled it. And now would you grant me access? Friends, that's what we're about. We are about peering in on the life of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and immersing ourselves in that life as fellow apprentices. It's what I'm after, and it's what you're after too if you're in this space for the Become Good Soil podcast. And so it's summer if you're listening to these podcasts roughly around when they're released. And I wanted to just bring some joy. This podcast is a bit more lighthearted. And it was actually a podcast that I was invited to be a guest on. One of my friends, Paul McDonald, is a fellow apprentice. He is an alumni, a graduate of Become Good Soil Intensive, and he has ruthlessly and joyfully consented to the path and process of becoming. He's years into his initiation now, and in that process, he has launched a podcast called Men at the Movies. As you know, if you've journeyed with us at Wild at Heart or Become Good Soil for some time, we heavily lean into film clips because films are modern-day parables. They borrow their power from the truest story that's ever been told. And so in great movies and great films, we can find the elements of the universal nature of the story that is the fabric and the foundation of every other story. And so Paul invites guests to pick one of their favorite films and come on to the podcast and talk about the film and what they love about it and why. So in this podcast, we unpack the story of Bobby Walker and the company men, one of the greatest films that I've experienced that recovers the story of masculine restoration. Let's dive in. Up, 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 let's go. This is called the tiger. We do it when we need to get our energy up. Come on, no use sitting around feeling sorry for ourselves. I will win. Why? Because I have faith, courage, enthusiasm. Good. Hey, you want to take a guess at what I shot at the club this morning? What happened? Somebody die? What's going on? The company's consolidating divisions. Difficult decisions had to be made in areas where redundancy surfaced. You're firing me? 3,000 jobs. They were good people, Jim. Hell, it's a business, not a charity. I've always told you what I thought, right or wrong, and this is wrong. I'm late for a meeting. Got one kid in college, another one going in the fall. I won't go back to a factory floor. I'll take an AK-47 to this place first. Mr. Walker, can I speak to you for a moment? They just got thrown off the course of the club. You're playing golf? Taking your Porsche details? I need to look successful. Hi, Sally. 
thanks for not returning any of my phone calls. If you do return my call, I would love to know why you fired me without any notice. You cowardly witch. <laughs> See, I wonder why she never calls you back. It feels good, though. Would you do the honors? Dear God, please help my dad find a job so he won't be unhappy all the time. Okay. You know, things get tough. You can always use some extra help this winter. Easy work, huh, Bobby? Pretty much like moving coffee ports from the inbox to the outbox. I hate your brother. We can get through this. I'm a 37-year-old unemployed loser. You have Drew and Carson and me. You have me. We could make something here. Start out with a crazy plan. Start slow, see if it'll grow. In. You should take that job. You're a terrible carpenter. <laughs> I will win. Why? Because I have faith, courage, enthusiasm. I will win. My name is Paul McDonald, and joining me all the way from Colorado is Morgan Snyder. Hey, Morg, how are you doing today? Paul, I'm really happy to be with you. Man, we've done most of our time together face-to-face, so it's yeah. uh, it's great to see you, but I, I wish we weren't on a screen. Oh, that'd be great. Sitting around a fire, cigars, and uh, something tasty to drink, maybe? <laughs> really good. Really good. I, I love what you're doing on this podcast, and uh, as we just know, that that it said in the teaser, right, that these stories all borrow their power from one great story. And so it's really fun to pause and just in your invitation to pick a movie that I love and yeah. dive in deep and get curious with our friends today. So thanks. So we, you picked company men and this is a movie that I first watched when I came to the intensive a few years ago and you broke it down as part of that event. And when I watched it with my wife last night, she was, she, we were sitting there and She's like, this movie's kind of depressing. Is it just about how much corporate America sucks? Mm. And I, I said, well, yeah, I can see how you would say that. But it's just, you know, we're, we're going to focus a lot on Bobby. But it's how these three men deal with the, their identity as after they lose their jobs. Because for men, I think our identity is so tied to what we do. And so much for, so that when we show up at the intensive, we can't even say what we do. We just were all chimney sweeps. Right. That's the agreement, right? Because, right, we go through life so much being defined by what we do and not by who we are. And, Paul, we'll dive in, I'm sure, to the trailer of The Company Men. But there is a quote that crosses over the screen that's just in text. And it says, in America, we give our lives to our jobs. And it's time to take them back. And again, these are parables. These are mythic. They're metaphors. And, and, and really the, deep, the, the depth of that is in masculinity, we give our question to our work, to that which we do, the search and this need for validation and identity. And what does it look like when a man moves through a path and a process of initiation to recover that question? and to retract it from the places and things he's given it to and give it and root it in the source in which it was intended. And so, yeah, this is a really exciting film. And it really also dives into the genders because I totally appreciate what your wife said. As a, as a first pass, a cursory glance, corporate America looks like it sucks, <laughs> right? But yeah. 
as a man, <laughs> this is all about masculine initiation. This is about what we do with our heart yeah. in the face of great trial and how the boy inside the man gets us in a lot of trouble until he participates in a process of initiation. We always open up the podcast with a movie. Why this movie? Like we talked about why movies are so powerful, but what, what is it about this movie that really it moves you? Like during the trailer, I found myself even getting emotional during a couple mm. of those, those lines. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's important, Paul, to pay attention to where you even felt emotional, as did I. And it's interesting how I have seen this movie a profound amount of times and every time I experience it different because I'm in a different place. And so in some ways it's reflecting back my own story. It's like the scriptures and the parables and how they work within us as we find ourselves, as we locate ourselves within the text. And so what I would say is it's the story of masculine initiation. And what I fundamental, fundamentally believe, Paul, is the primary storyline of any of our lives is God initiating us into wholehearted maturity as men or as women. That whatever else is happening in our world, our family, and our work, and our geography, the primary theme is God is at work orchestrating a path and a process to make us fully human, fully alive, wholehearted, mature people that can live and operate in an interactive relationship with him. And so, so much of the story is what's gone wrong. Right. Where, where have men lost their way? Where have I lacked initiation? Where are their places wounded with me? Um, Im immature in me? And how is God pursuing me to participate with his initiation, to become wholehearted and become the kind of man in whom he's actually glad, like he finds joy in entrusting a sort of rule and reign, a, a portion of his kingdom to my leadership. And so that's what excites me. And I find myself in the film and I find in some ways the universal, it's unique and it's universal. That's the reality of masculine initiation for every one of us. It's unique and every one of us it's universal. And I find both in this film. Yeah. The, the movie starts and it shows Bobby played by Ben Affleck and he's a fairly successful high level executive. He's out on the course, comes in, not a lot of, uh, doesn't read the room very well. He's like, guess what I shot he's at the course? <laughs> exactly. He's killing it on the golf course. Yeah. He's killing it in the boardroom. He's a, he's, he's killing it with his Porsche. He's yeah. the man. He's arrived. Until he arrives at work only to find out that he's <laughs> redundant. He's redundant. Exactly. And so they let him go. And that is the beginning of the death of the, the, the faults. Bobby Walker, the, the poser Bobby Walker. That's really well said. I think you picked very good words there. It's the beginning of death of a person who he had become. Yes. Right? Yes. And what I love is, Paul, inside, Bobby Walker's a good man. He's the Imago Dei, right? The most important thing you can know about any human being is that they bear the image of God. 
as a man or woman. And so it's in there, but he's become a caricature. He's become a persona, a false self that makes life work on his own terms, apart from God with him, with himself being the center of his story. So yeah, that becomes shattered. And so begins the unraveling of a man. And he resists it. He thinks he's going to get a job very quickly. And this is, the movie is set in the early 2010s, I think 11 or 12 after the recession. Uh, but exactly that economic shake shakeup was very evident in the movie of, and there, there's the uncertainty people with high level jobs who are older struggle to find a similar job. And as we've talked about the, the whole idea of what we do overarches everything about us. It is, it becomes who we are. As you mentioned that line of our, we give our lives to our job and what happens to our life when our job isn't there anymore. Exactly. The exposure happens when he loses his identity, right? In a moment, he goes from being strong and powerful to, to a little boy. There's literally a scene where he's, right? he's sucking yes. on the juice box. His wife's there saying, I, here's where we can cut back. Here's how we can make it work. And he's sucking on a juice box saying, exactly. no, we're going to be good. We, we don't need to sell anything. We're good. I'm splitting the patch tickets with Daryl, right? Like, no, and, and, and she's literally, she's offering a, a lifeline. Mm-hmm. She is consenting to reality because her identity is not on trial. Maggie is a beautiful soul in the picture of femininity restored. She's not given up on Bobby, but he is, he's just in damage control. He is in denial. He doesn't want to tell anybody. Exactly. It's fear. He's hiding from his dad. He feels like a little boy. He's exposed. I'm afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. And in this instance, it's behind a juice. (laughs) And I think bringing up Maggie is when you look at in the movie, like I said, is about three guys who lose their jobs and their wives respond differently or they respond differently to their wives and their outcomes are ultimately different with Maggie is the one who responds out of love. And I mean, she is, she, her identity is set and she keeps telling him the whole movie of who he is, who she knows that Bobby is. Whereas uh, Chris Cooper's wife, it's Phil who play, who's played by Chris Cooper. His wife makes him leave the house and does, she, he can't come back till six because she doesn't want the neighbors to know he, he's out of work. And then when um, Gene played Gene. by Tommy mm-hmm. Lee Jones, when he loses his job, he leaves his wife for the, the woman that he was having an affair with. And they respond very differently. And Phil ends up killing himself because he can't live with it. He can't go through the death of his false self. So he just ends his life. And Gene goes back to what he knows and building a business and building ships. But it's Bobby that we focus on because one, his wife is there with him alongside him speaking truth to him. But he's the one who goes through the the transformation and the initiation. Because... He's lost his way. Yeah, it's really well said. The, the, the movie is really about three men. And I think I would add it's about three men and four women, hmm. right? Because it's three men and their wives. And then it's the woman that Gene has an affair with. And I think for women listening, you know, and I would invite your wife into this as I would, I would challenge her to watch it again and watch it through the lens of femininity and simply watch what does each woman 
do with her feminine heart. And her question, when she's with a man whose world is blowing up, right? Because like you said, Maggie chooses to engage. She stays present. She -hmm. faces reality. Her question is not tied to the Porsche or the Patriot tickets or the big house (laughs) with the big mortgage, right? She's willing and even interested in going back to work if that's what she has to do. And moving into her in-laws guest bedroom with her family of four. Like those are holy acts. Whereas one of the other wives, like you said, like Phil's wife, she just goes to shut down. There's this really brutal moment where she wakes up, she has constant migraines and she says, wait while I put on my face. She literally has to put on her makeup to fake it to the world. And then Jean's wife, he's the senior VP She's in 100% denial. She comes and asks if she can take the jet on a shopping (laughs) trip, right? Yeah. And so here she is, and she's hard. She's hard. The lines on her face are hard. Her outfits are hard. Her hair is immaculate. She is unapproachable. And she is so driven by shame. Her self-protection method is, I, I, I just choose unbelief. I'm taking the jet and I'm going shopping. And so Gene's heart is breaking because he cares. Yes. He cares for people. He cares for the company. And so Sally is, is this younger, beautiful woman that's in the trenches with him. Well, in some ways she's looking for a father mm-hmm. and not a husband. And, and that's the closest thing she finds is in Gene and it becomes sexual and romantic and, and romantic and, and immoral, but it's a reach and a longing to fulfill her ache. Rather than bringing beauty and dignity, she brings her question and she ruins a marriage. And so, and it takes two to tango. But the whole idea is every person in the film is contending with their initiation. And Bobby is really the one that chooses through a lot of pain to consent to a process that leads to restoration and therefore joy and healing of relationship. And the interesting part, when when you were talking about how Gene had turned to Sally but that's what a lot of men do when their identity from work is gone. They do look to the, the woman to kind of validate themselves to uh, kind of support them. I can't think of the word to uh, post them up to say, no, you're still going to make it. And so they take the question from the job to the woman in a lot of ways. And I think in that scenario, that's what Gene was doing for a little while. Right, right. What makes me feel good? He was medicating. It's such an important (laughs) question, right? I I medicate to avoid pain, right? To avoid feeling bad because I'm looking for the answer to the question of where do I feel good? And when there's a woman around that makes me feel good, that makes me feel like a man, and my wife is inaccessible for whatever other reason, It's only a matter of time where I have to contend with what that does in my heart as a man. And on the flip side, Maggie, Bobby's wife, they're in there, they're talking about, um, they're in the bed and they're talking about, well, we can live with your parents. You can get a work job with my brother. And he, and, and he said, Bobby actually said, I choose death. I opt for death before Mm. I will move in with my parents. And his wife is, is trying to seduce him you know, in a very loving way, she was putting the moves on him and he rolls over and he says, good night. I've got an early morning because that line, the line that got me emotional was from the trailer was I am a 37 year old unemployed loser. And his wife saw him as more than that, but we can only, 
I think in, in your book, Becoming a King, you talk about we can only go to as far as the identity that we have uh, established or adopted or we believe in. Yeah, the beauty of the ex, the dismantling of Bobby Walker is through the love and the um, fierceness. There's also ferocity. Yeah. When Maggie calls him out, she eventually, in righteous anger, calls him out. And she says, maybe you are just another asshole with a resume. Right. And it's a mic drop. And it finally causes him to sink down and ask the question, who am I? And Paul, that is the question, because we all have a very sophisticated belief system that's subterranean, that's below our conscious awareness that answers the question, who am I? And so that's why you have that poignant scene where he finally confesses. He's unedited. It's unscripted. And he says, I am simply a 37-year-old loser that can't support his family. Okay, well, now we have the truth. (laughs) Right now, God, you can just see God smiling, saying, son, there you are. There you are. And the brilliance of the film is Maggie is eye to eye, face to face with tears in her eyes saying, like, and I get emotional thinking about it. She says, Bobby, you have Drew, your son. You have Carson, your daughter. And Bobby, like, you have me. You have me. And, And she's speaking the true identity of, like, you're a son. You're a father. You're a husband. You're a good man. And this job's got nothing on you. And then the shift, it's the poignant shift where he then begins asking the question subconsciously of who am I? Who is Bobby Walker? And what does he need to? And and, and the other thing I want to name that's important is up to this point, it's all about him. Like you said, here's Maggie. She's very beautiful. She's alluring. She's substantive. She's seducing him in bed. And he can't even engage because it's life according to Bobby Walker. Yeah. He's the center of his story. He's is very narcissistic. Out of his shame and fear, he can't look beyond himself. Whereas as the movie graduates, he becomes the kind of person that his strength is offered in love for other people entrusted to his care. Yeah. And we see that even when he shows up at the kind of the unemployment office, the job the, the place that he, he was assigned to, for them to help him find a job. He's like, I'm not going to be here a couple days, more than a couple days to the guy who shared his space. And he, then he's like, no offense. Cause that guy was like, I got nine months. I hope I find something in nine months. And he's yeah. like, yeah, I'll be here a few days. Uh, no offense. Oh, I'm still killing it. And also to Jack, when Jack finds out Jack is played by Kevin Costner. He's Maggie's. And who is Jack? Just to orient our listeners. Jack is Maggie's brother. Jack works as a carpenter. Blue collar, tradesman, GC, right? Doing remodels, working in the cold, hot with his hands every day. And over Thanksgiving, they find out because they invite the daughter to pray. And she says, please help my daddy find a job so he won't be sad or he won't be angry. I can't remember the exact phrase she used, but please help my daddy find a job. And that's when everybody finds out he doesn't have a job. And Jack who throughout the movie, they're like, he doesn't like you. He just is too man enough to say it, to act like it. And you can see the tension in their relationship. They're kind of egging each other on throughout the movie. But his first response is, I I got a job coming up. I could use an extra set of hands. And he responded, uh, yeah, pounding nails. I don't see myself pounding nails. Yeah. It's he's totally dismissive. Exactly. 
right? We see things not as they are. We yeah. see them as we are. Yeah. And so Bobby Walker has been exposed, right? And shamed public humiliation because his precious daughter has no outlet, right? There's just no, and it was just a beautiful even picture of spirituality of the one place you pray is Thanksgiving meal, right? right? But there's really no place for spirituality. So she cries out, exposes him, and he still stays in the poster, poster saying, my identity, I'm a corporate guy. I kill it. I'm a boardroom. You know how I play golf, right? <laughs> He's still in that identity. And Jack is a, is a gruff, loving father figure says, I got work for you. And yeah, I don't see myself, you know, pounded nails and hanging drywall. And then Jack turns to Maggie and he goes, yeah, your husband's such a dick. <laughs> it's like, it's actually very loving. It's very true. Your husband is acting like a dick. Yeah. And this needs to be daylighted. And so that's just the brilliance of the film is now we're dealing with reality. Yeah. I've seen that in men. It's when they get real and they get honest about what they're going through that, yeah, you know, when he says, I'm a 37-year-old unemployed loser, like you said, that's when God smiles because we don't take him. We, we seem to think we need to have this oppose even in our prayers. And we like, no, I'm good. I'm just praying for this. I'm praying for that. But when we get down to what's really bothering us in the heart of the matter, and I saw this in the movie right after he has that emotional outburst with his wife, he is, they had given his son an Xbox for Christmas and of new year's Eve, his son comes down. He's like, Hey dad, will you take me over to my friend's house? I want to go over there for new year's Eve. He's like, no, you're going to stay here. And his son's frustrated and he hits the wall as he's walking away and he, ch and Bobby chases. He's like, what, what's wrong with you? You know, why don't you go play with your Xbox, do something, you know, we got you that for Christmas. And Maggie says, you don't know. He returned the Xbox. He knew that we were struggling financially and he took it back. And it was at that moment and the very next scene is Bobby going to Jack and saying, Hey Jack, is that offer still open? Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, there it's been said that um, there's two choices, either humility or humiliation, but there's not a third choice in this regard. Yeah. So which one do you want? Right. And there's been enough humiliation now for Bobby. Here I am. I can't offer strength to my own son. And that heartbreak, it took a broken heart to say, Uncle, I, I got nothing. You know, Dallas Willard has said, if you want to find God, his address is at the end of your rope. <laughs> <laughs> it's just beautiful when we have nothing, yeah. nothing to rely on to set our confidence in, but God. God is generous in coming through. And so now he shows up on a job site, right? And now is the beginning of a totally different phase in the movie. If he's beyond arrogance, he's got no Porsche. He's driving a Ford Taurus. He's got no reputation. He's got no tool belt or work gloves. He's got no workwear, right? right? He, he hires everything out to hired hands, right? He, he pays a guy, quote unquote, to do everything including parent his children. Well, here he is back to square one. He's actually now going through the type of initiation that would have been wonderful to have in his teenage years and in his early 20s. Because if he had had these miles, he would have been very different in the, court, in the, in the boardroom office. 
but now it's blisters. <laughs> it's hard work, right? It's carrying sheets of drywall. Those are carrying sheets of plywood. Oh. Like nobody likes carrying four by eight sheets of plywood. And it's learning. There's a way things work. Slow and steady wins the race, right? It's not cheap. It's not quick. It's not easy. And he's learning the world of masculinity on a level that he had never encountered before. And it does take humility. You know, he was going up there and Jack was not suddenly this kind old fatherly figure. He was still busting his balls. He's like, yeah, you're moving this up here. It's just like moving cost reports from the inbox to the outbox, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's in, in that whole busting his balls, like, I think what's important about that, Paul, is as, as what's exposed, you know, things are not what they appear to be, mm. right? Yeah. We always find that in the gospels that what, you know, the good guy is actually the bad guy and things are not what they appear to be. And what we find is at first you think Bobby's an asshole and Jack's an asshole, just different version, right? right? Jack's the hard nosed blue collar condescending about Bobby's work. The truth is Jack is a loving man who's been initiated in a particular kind of world. He understands there's a way things work. What surfaces is his generosity. What surfaces is he doesn't need credit for success. What surfaces is he's actually a good king, stewarding a kingdom, providing winter work for people that, that, so that he can keep them on board and not lay them off even when he can't turn a profit, you know, he has that line of sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. He's, he's a man who's seen some cycles in the market and he's not bringing his question to his world. And so what's so important about that is there's, there's a kind of rough edge to Jack and it's actually what Bobby needed. His world was manicured. His world was country club. His world was a beautiful resume and probably being student government president <laughs> and getting a 4.0 and never having to work that hard for it. Well, and there's no shortcuts in masculine initiation. And so God is always circling back for us to recover what we never got in the season in which it was presented to us first. And so Jack is rough but he's actually manifesting the father heart of God in many ways. And you see that in, you mentioned his generosity because his first paycheck, Bobby's like, Hey, you paid me $200. There's, you know, you overpaid me. And as you mentioned, he's just like, oh, I guess there must, I must've made a mistake when I wrote the check. Exactly. And then he throws a half finished beer into yeah. the dumpster, right? There's a moment of like, yeah, that was a mistake, Bobby, right? My bad. But, but he could have said, hey, Bobby, like, okay, you, so tell me, Paul, that scene, how, how could it have played out and why was it so important the way that it did play out? Well, it could have easily, he could have easily said, yeah, I figured you could use the money and I'm trying to help you out. And it instantly becomes charity. Yes. And he's already accepting enough kind of that, as you mentioned, that humiliation right. and humility, and that would be kicking him when he's down. Right. I, yeah, it's really well said. He's been humiliated, but now for the first time in Bobby Walker's life, he's choosing humility. And so instead of saying, you're the boy, I'm the man, right? You're the subordinate, kicking him. There, there's some dignity of, we don't need to draw attention to this, but I want, I want to help you out. 
And, and you know what, Bobby, you've earned a bonus. You've earned a bonus because guys like you with computer yeah. hands, carrying sheets and dealing with your blisters. <laughs> good on you, mate. Right. Good on yeah. you. Yeah. That's what there, there's, there's sort of reciprocity. And Robert Bly says it this way in his brilliant book, Iron John, he says that when, when masculine, when there's masculine proximity, a father and a son, a man to a man, there's actually like a substance that gets passed from the man to the man. There's a soulful substance that cannot be replaced by any other means. And so the idea of him handing the physical check, right? It's not a digital deposit even in his box it's a physical check and then he throws the beer before it's done and like i don't know too many guys that waste a good beer and there's something <laughs> there's just something as a fellow beer drinker that even communicates like we got more than enough we're taken yeah. care of we're in good hands i'm good you're good and so bobby gets yeah. in his ford taurus probably for the first time in his life feeling like a man and they go on and, and eventually he's been, you know, carrying concrete up and down the stairs, carrying sheets of plywood and somebody, somebody doesn't show up for work because he gets a drunken disorderly. Yeah. <laughs> and so they said, and he says, Hey, Hey Bobby, you got that tool belt still? And he gets invited up into working and he's still no pro. Like they ask him to do some framing put some boards across the, the frame there. And they, the guy, other guy comes up there. He's like, you got to tear this down before Jack sees it. Cause he will blow a gasket. Absolutely. Like that is all jacked up. But then he says, here's how to do it. Right. Yes. And then he tears it down, starts all over. And yeah, it's not, it's not great. It's not perfect, but it's enough. You know, when Jack sees it, he's like, that's terrible, but he d it's not bad enough to tear down. Yeah, Paul, you're you're pointing out something really beautiful because you're exactly right. He buys a tool belt when he first starts, and and one of the other guys says, "Eh, you're not going to be needing that." You know, like <laughs> just because you're working on a job site doesn't mean you wear a tool belt. Like what he didn't understand was that's a process, and that's a rite of passage. So he put it back in his trunk, and then that other guy gets a drunken disorderly. Bobby's been working, and now it's time to say. You know, you, you've passed through lesson number three and now it's yeah. lesson number four, <laughs> right? But what's so beautiful about the film is it's very tactile. It's not obscure. You know, I, a big part of my masculine initiation is taking place in wilderness as a bow hunter. And it was completely foreign to me as a boy. I was very afraid to enter what I perceived was the world of real men. And the only reason I perceived that was that was the place from which I hit. That was where I felt my lack and my discomfort. And what I found in wilderness, Paul, especially with survival and bow hunting, is the lessons are very clear and they are very costly. And you learn them <laughs> black and white, right? It's like the first time my water filter failed and I'm in, in the middle of nowhere. The first time my headlamp failed and I've got no, no uh, batteries. The first time I severely overpacked for a trip, like first time I got blisters, <laughs> like the first time, you know, I went to fling an arrow and I used the wrong sight pen. Like the lessons are clear and costly. Whereas so much of the time in our modern world, lessons are very obscure. They're very vague. And 
as our rites of passage, right? These things happen like kids are given cell phones. Kids are given vehicles when they turn 16. So I see so many parents that their kids end up having a car that they didn't pay for or having too much of a vehicle that they could even handle because it was, and here's the key word, it was convenient for us parents. Mm -hmm. What we do in the name of convenience and efficiency can be catastrophic to the rites of passage that our souls need. And so what I so appreciate about the physical labor, this isn't a caricature, but everyone should do hard work. Well, everyone should work in food services because we all eat food. Everyone at some point should do some kind of physical labor on a job site because we all live in a house and everything changes when it's physical and, and it really recovers the lost art of masculine initiation being defined by these particular rites of passage in our life. And what we see when he does get invited and elevated to that, to using the tool belt is the old Bobby is gone. The old Bobby, when he finds out he's fired, his secretary asks him, what about me? And he's like, I didn't think to ask, but now he sees this guy. He's like, well, now I'm carrying a tool belt. I'm hammering nails. I'm hanging some wood and some drywall. If we need another hand, there's a guy I know. Yes. And where'd the guy come from? His buddy who's still looking for his job, right? He was the guy who said, oh, you'll be here. I'll be here a few days. You'll still be here nine months from now. But his friend in the cubicle while they're job searching, who, by the way, they've shared beers, they've played football, they've engaged in relationship over the, yes. the, the months that this movie takes place. And so he's like, I know a guy if we need another set of hands. And so he's look, he's beginning to look out for others exactly, and invite them to take care of them uh, and provide them opportunities. It's a huge marker in the masculine story of first, when I come to the revelation that my life is for others, my strength is for others. My decisions have consequences that affect other people. That's just a huge moment. And a secondary moment that happens down the road is when we, our natural reaction is to think, how do I use my strength to provide for others, right? And that's the huge shift. And I, I think, um, yeah, because in the heart, we are naturally self-centric because of the fall. Mm -hmm. We naturally define life with ourself at the center. But there's some shift in masculine initiation where when we get that question answered, when we become increasingly wholehearted, we begin to see all of life as stewardship. We begin to see that we are kings in God's kingdom, and we were actually destined to rule and reign and to bring God's character, God's heart, God's provision to a broken world to help restore all things. And so that's a beautiful point when Bobby makes, makes that comment, if there's room, I want to risk bringing in to help others. That shift begins to be seen at home when he goes home and his wife says, you were never here before. Mm -hmm. And now you are. 
And there's a scene early in the movie where he pulls up in his Porsche. His son is out shooting hoops yeah. and Bobby just rushes inside. Yes. Yeah. It's and brilliant. then very late in the movie, he gets home, he opens the door, he notices his son playing basketball and he drops his tool belt and goes and engages with his son and plays basketball. And then the very next scene, I think they're building a deck or a, a tree house. So he's taking what he's learned from Jack and he's investing it in time and energy and making memories with his children, building a tree house. Exactly. Right. Cause the, the storyline of the father, Paul is always son. I see you. I know who you are, right? He relates to the person we are and have yet to become. So you're exactly right. Like Bobby has a heart for his kids. He has a heart for his wife. If you would ask him like, why am I doing this? I'm doing it for my, my family. And that's partly yeah. true, but out of a broken heart, <laughs> right? When you take away yeah. the work, what really gets exposed is you're mostly doing it to feel like a man, to prove yeah. to the world, to yourself, to God, that you have what it takes. And so he's missed his kids. He's missed their childhood. He outsourced their education, outsourced their adventure. And so, as you said, there's that, that poignant moment. He get, He's tired. He's busted his ass all day. And he reaches for the door of the house. And he takes his hand off that handle. And what I love about that scene, Paul, is that the invitation the narrow gate back to the narrow road is always at every moment being made available to us. And it's in one degree shifts. It's in 1%. It's in the little hesitations. You know, in the middle of this recording, my son popped in because he wanted to change cars because he needs to move a lacrosse net and he needs my truck. And just to know, like, you bet, son, all I have is yours today. Yeah. Take my keys, no questions asked, and do what you need with my truck because he's ready for it. It's on time. It's not too much. It's not too yeah. little. And it's just a one small movement of action to say, I trust you. You have what it takes. And so then he begins to play pickup basketball. And and next thing you know, there's a shift in relationship. It's as as it's it's being restored and and with his wife with his daughter, with his son, things are well and nothing's changed yes. with his job. Right. And that's when the call comes. That's when Gene calls with an, a job opportunity and his response months ago, he would have jumped out oh, yeah. like, Oh yeah. And instead he goes to Jack who's working on a Sunday. Cause Basically, because like you mentioned earlier, he's just took this job to, so that these guys can keep working, but he's behind. And in order to make their uh, time and make the bonuses and break even, he's got to work by himself unpaid because he can't afford to pay anybody because they're already, you know, as he says, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. And he goes and says, I don't know if I want the job. I don't know if I want to go back into that world because I was scared all the time yes. and scared, you know, scared of a million scared things. of everything. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the best thing Jack comes down, he looks at him and he's like, you take that job because you're a shitty carpenter. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And right. He, and here's what's key about that is Jack's treating him like a man. He's treating him like a son. And he's treating him like a man. He's going, 
the truth is you're a shitty carpenter. You were not meant to be a carpenter, right? right? It was an assignment. It was a piece of your initiation. It was the context to know you can do hard things. The context to know you are more than your work. The context to know there's a way things work and slow and steady wins the race. And so the truth is he's made for the boardroom. And that's what I love about the film is it's not in, in contradiction to what your wife thinks. It's not simply, <laughs> it's not simply the deconstruction of corporate America. I think there's a lot of horseshit in corporate America. There's also a lot of horseshit in the church and horseshit in ministry and horseshit yeah. in education, horseshit in politics, you know, like, and my, one of my favorite quotes is, and I don't know if your audience is okay with this, but everyone eats a shit sandwich. The question is simply, would you like fries with that? Okay. <laughs> the issue isn't how do I not eat a shit sandwich? It's do you want mayonnaise or mustard? Everyone has to go through a process of initiation and it's uniquely tailored right. to a father that knows what we need for our becoming. And so the, you know, spoiler alert, Bobby's back in the courtroom, or I'm sorry, he's back in the boardroom, right? He's back in an office. He's back moving the coffee boards, right? From the inbox to the outbox. He's, he's back over people doing sales, but everything has changed from the inside out. Because he brings everybody. Exactly. It's not just about Bobby. It's how can I take care of others? How can I take care of the people under my care? Exactly. He's become a good king. Yes. And the, and the movie ends like there's no big, like, that's it. That's kind of the big win is yeah. He's back. He's got a job making half of what he was in this little startup dingy little office contrasted to where he was, but his relationship with his wife, with his kids, he's, he's got a firm foundation. He's settled. Absolutely. And he's able to offer his strength to those around him. Exactly. What the world now gets is who God meant when he meant Bobby Walker. Like, I appreciate what you said, Paul, is it, it ends unfinished in a way of, well, this is just the beginning, but the beautiful power of the gospel that's encapsulated in this is, and so it is with our lives. We think yes. we we live with a deep operational belief is our death is the end of things. Even if you have a relationship with God and you, you're a Christian and you have some theological belief about the afterlife, we don't live that way. For the most part, we think it ends when it ends with our death on this earth. But you know, Lewis was the one that said heaven is the consummation of our earthly apprenticeship. It's literally just the beginning that all of life was a process of being under construction, right? Under renovation. And we become the kind of person that can step into the fullness of the kingdom of God and take the very particular place set before us by God. The, the phrase we use is we've finally arrived, but there's no arriving this side of heaven. There's no arriving. It's all exactly. initiation. It's all continuing. It's all a further maturing of us becoming more whole exactly. and holy. Exactly. And so my invitation to, if, if it, listeners have stuck us out through this, you know, we've given the spoiler alert, you know how it ends, but the beauty <laughs> is we know how every great story ends. Yeah. And the invitation is watch this with not the eyes of corporate America, watch it with the eyes, with the interpretive grid of what does femininity look like and how does it act when it's under assault? 
what does masculinity look like and act like when its identity is challenged? What is the path and process of masculine initiation? What does a man need to become wholehearted? And what in this movie helps us understand is the true gold of a healthy marriage with true union where two people can fight for the hearts of each other, can learn how to lead with, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And and ultimately, this movie is a story of restoration and redemption, which is the story in which we find ourselves. So I can't recommend it enough. Friends, I know in some ways, you know, we should have given you the spoiler alert. We've laid out the film. But for those of you who haven't seen it or those of you who have already seen The Company Men, I invite you to go back and revisit it. Allow this podcast to be a sort of fuel for a redemptive interpretation, for a masculine and feminine interpretation, for an interpretation that uses the lens of God working through all things in every manner to shepherd our masculine initiation. Paul has a fabulous teaching through the book of Philippians. Over these 14 years of silence, of hiddenness, between when he has a radical conversion to Christ until when he comes back on the scene and becomes an apprentice to so many congregations, to small home churches. There's this time where he does the work of becoming. In the hidden years, he consents to a path and a process, and he becomes the kind of person who has a joy that's inexplainable. It's literally a joy that doesn't correlate with his circumstances. And he literally says in Philippians, I've learned a secret. I've become the kind of person who is well, who has joy when I have a lot or a little, when I want for nothing or I have many needs, when I'm sick or when I'm well, I have this secret that never leaves me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And there's other translations that really cut to the heart of this. I love in Peterson's translation where he says, I have this secret that I have become this kind of person that whatever I have and wherever I am, I can make it through the one who makes me who I am. I love Richard Rohr's translation that gets even more curated and more distilled where he says, In Paul's words, I am ready for anything, anywhere. Friends, this is the sort of mark of masculine initiation in its most mature form. And that's what I love the most about the story of Bobby Walker and the company man. He passes through an initiation and he becomes the kind of man, becomes like Christ, that he is ready for anything, anywhere, not in fullness, but in a much larger measure than he was just a few short years before. He's ready to love his wife. He's ready to initiate his children. He's ready to do meaningful work. He's ready to bring strength and care to the things and to the people entrusted to him. Friends, it's a modern day parable. I invite you 
Watch the film with the eyes of your heart. Unpack it with some friends over a campfire one night this summer and invite God to shine his light into other films. Pick the films that you love and ask the deeper questions. What is it that you love about them? Grab some friends, grab some couples, go through them and recover the themes that restore the hearts of men. Father, thank you for my friends. Thank you for this like-hearted tribe around the globe. God, I pray that you would come to them in these days, that you would strengthen them through these modern-day parables. God, that we would find our story in these stories, and in finding our story, we would find your intervention. God, you are the God of rescue and restoration. God, you lead us to streams of living water that revive and restore our soul. I pray for this tribe, for these dear-hearted ones around the globe, that today you would revive them, you would revitalize them, you would saturate them with well-being, that their cup would overflow. God, that they would sense your goodness and your mercy chasing after them. God, we are the chased after ones. That today you would actually manifest your presence, that we would feel, that we would experience, we would encounter your chasing after us. We pause and we choose to breathe in your life and your breath. Friends, as always, it's an honor to host this space and to have you join with the like-hearted for the Become Good Soil podcast. And as always, we'll have a 45-second time to just close this time together, to just breathe, receive love, receive compassion, receive care, and know that you are loved and you are being pursued by love.